Thanks for joining us here at Life Church West. If you ever have any questions or you want to learn more about us as a church, you can always check us out online simply by going to lifewest.church. Our prayer is that this message would equip and empower you to be and do all God has for you. All right, we are continuing our series, A New Normal. And normal is relative. It, it, it changes. And not your relatives are normal because if you have relatives, they're not. Your relatives are not normal. When I say normal is relative, it's, it's different from wherever you look. Because I got married and, and what my family was normal. But then my wife has a family that she thinks is normal and they're all messed up. I'm like, no, that's not how you do this. And she's like, no, this is not how we used to do this. And we did it this way. And I'm like, that's because that's wrong. She's like, no, that's normal. Because normal is relative. It, it, it is, it, it's different for different people. We see it differently. Not only that, but normal changes. Normal doesn't, it, it, it changes. It's not the same. My kid's normal is not the same as my normal. I grew up, and we'd go on road trips, and we had a van, and not the minivans that people drive. We had a van, van, and we'd take one of the seats out of the back, and my parents would take this, like, platform thing and put it in the back of the van, and it was big enough that you could put a queen-size mattress on it, or like a twin-size, was it queen or full, this huge mattress. So they'd put this air mattress on the, in, in the back, and we'd road trip, and so we would play Car seat what? Buckle up where? No. We'd play in the back of the van. We'd do cars all over the van. That wasn't just when we were in Mexico. That was just all over the place. I remember one time we were driving and we went over a bridge. And I was laying in the back and I woke up because my face hit the ceiling, the top of the van, which is about like this high from where I was because we went over something and the van just dropped. And I remember that so particularly clear because... My dad had taken the wrong turn and had to turn around and go back. And we got to the bridge, and they were trying to figure out how to get the van up over the drop because the road was closed, or I don't know exactly what had happened. Because like I said, I was in the back laying down. But it, it, it was it's different. It's, it's the normal for me. There was never a question of buckling up. We didn't, there were six of us in our family, and one of our cars only had five seatbelts. Like, it's like, no, everybody's, you know you're not buckling up. It, it, was, it was a different, a completely different normal. And some of those things get set by us, and some of those things, it's just we get used to what's around us. We get used to it. Becca had her normal. I had my normal. We have a new normal now where we, we decided, okay, what, what do we want to do? How are we going to talk to each other? What are we going to say in front of our kids and not in front of our kids? What's our normal going to be? And, and we kind of combined and changed and decided, well, we like this better. Well, I like the way your family did this, and I don't think either of our families did this well, so let's, let's do it better. You know, let, let's try to do this better. Let's do this different. And we set a new normal. And in our Christian lives, we do the same thing. It says this in Philippians 4, 22. It says, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life. It says, throw it off. It's going to be a new normal, a new way of doing different things. And as Christians, we endeavor to do that in our lives, to look around, to say, okay, 
What normal do I have from my past, from the way that I was raised, from where I grew up, from the things that happened to me and the way that I am now? And we look and we say, okay, what needs to change based on what God's word says? What do I need to alter so that my normal, the way that I regularly work? Because Christianity isn't something that affects us. It's, it's not a, a life preserver that we run to the Bible and say, okay, now I'm going to look at what this has to say. Because if we look at it that way, that's the equivalent of bottom of the barrel living. When I say bottom of the barrel living, I mean that you only, there's only enough in there to get by just right now. I, I, I need to run to the Bible. I need to run to God's word just right now because something isn't right. It, it's a back and forth, always an emergency way of living. Instead of saying, okay, God, I'm going to make this my normal. I'm going to do it your way. Not just when things aren't going right, but when things are going well. And I'm going to do it today. I'm doing it your way. We make that the normal. Every day. Not the life preserver. Not, oh, I'm going to pray. Why? Because I've tried everything else. i got nothing else to do, so I guess I pray. But no, God, I'm going to seek you first. I'm going to do it your way first. And we set that as our normal. And when we do that, when we do that, we see some things that begin to happen in our lives. You see, there's natural laws. Gravity is a natural law. Uh, one of the things I like doing to Becca, one of the ways I like to wake her up is when she sleeps, is taking her hand, and I pick it up, and I put it over her face, and then I let it go. <laughs> and she's, she's like, and then she gets upset, and she tries to hit away her own hand, and then I pick it up again, and I put it over her face, and I let it go. And there's something called gravity, and I'm like, why are you hitting yourself? And she wakes up, and she's like, why are you doing that? And then she giggles. It's fun. Uh, she didn't giggle. I probably wouldn't do it. But it's gravity. It, it's a law that it doesn't matter whether you're awake or asleep or what's going on. It's still in effect. Well, just like there's natural laws, there are spiritual laws as well. And so one of the things that I think is so important when we look at a new normal and having a new normal is realizing, realizing the power of our words. Proverbs 18.21, the tongue has the power. How much power does it have? I'm saying, hey, words are powerful. It has the power of life and death. That's a lot of power. And for most of us, I would say our former normal did not take into account the power that the Bible says, shows, illustrates, demonstrates that our words have in our lives at all. But it, it's one of those things that whether we realize it or not, it's at work because it's a spiritual law. It doesn't matter how well we understand it. it, just, it it's there and it works. It doesn't matter if you understand gravity or not, it's at work. It's, it's doing its thing. It's holding us here. We're here. We're not floating. It'd be kind of cool, if we were, but we're not because it's doing its thing. Gravity is doing its thing. This spiritual law is the same way. What we say, what we say has so much power. But one thing I've noticed is the more familiar we are with something, the easier it is to forget the power that it has or to not recognize the power that something has. Forget about it. You may have never even known it. Because we're familiar with it, we don't even recognize it. It says this, talking about Jesus in Mark chapter 6. This is after Jesus had been doing many, many, many miracles. It says Jesus left where he was and went to his own hometown with his disciples. And when the Sabbath came, he began to teach them 
And they heard and they were amazed at what he had said. But where did he get these, this, this knowledge? Where did this man get these things, they asked each other? What wisdom that has been given him that he even does these miracles? So people saw miracles that he, were, he Jesus, had done. They listened to his teaching. They said, this is amazing. Where did he get this wisdom? But verse 3, isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? And aren't his sisters here with us? And then they took offense at him. I find that really, really interesting. That they didn't take offense to him first and then be like, yeah, no, 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 that couldn't have been true. He, he's probably not the one that said that or those miracles. No. They saw the miracles, they heard the wisdom, but then they said, nah, because they were so familiar with it. Yeah. And some of you, when I even just say, you know, I start talking about the power of our words, you're like, yeah. Because it's something that you're so familiar with. It's something that we, all of us use day in and day out. But yet the Bible says so specifically that it has the power of life and death. And things that we're familiar with, we have a tendency to either discount or completely not even see the power that they can have. I took a CPL class. They're talking about weapons and, and guns. They said, the more familiar you are with a weapon, the more likely you are to have an accident with it. And they quoted statistics of how many accidental shootings there are in the military. I said, it's because these, these guys, these women, these soldiers, they just carry guns all the time. They're over, they, they always have them. And they get so familiar with them. And I just thought, really? That, that, that's very interesting because at the same time, they're seeing the very power that they have because they're using them on a daily basis and not just for target practice. But yet, because they're so familiar, and our words can be that same exact way. You know, they tell us that 75% of car accidents happen within three miles of where you live because we're familiar with it. Again, it's that we become familiar with things, and our words can be that exact same way. Hosea 4, 6 says, my people are destroyed for a lack of Knowledge. One of my favorite verses in the Bible. Because I tell it to myself all the time. It says, I need to know more. I need to know what the Word of God says. I need to know clearer. There are still questions that I have, things that I do not yet understand. So we need to be so careful that we're not reckless. We need to understand the power that our words have. Mark eleven twenty three says this about our words. I tell you the truth. If anyone says... To this mountain, go throw yourself in the sea and does not doubt in his heart but believes what he says will happen, it will be done. Now that seems like a very huge thing, yet that is, those are the very words of Jesus. And that law, that law, whether you've heard that verse before or not, that law works for every single one of us. And we say things all the time. We say things all the time like, I'm getting sick. It's just that time of year. This is just what happens to me this time of year. We say things like that, not realizing that with our words, again, they have the power of life and death. With our words, we're conceding in that area to not, I mean, the Bible says resist the devil and he will flee. Yeah. Which, how do we resist the devil? 
If we look at Jesus' example, Jesus was led into the wilderness and tempted by Satan. But the way he resisted the devil, it wasn't something special. He wasn't like, ah, Jesus, God card, boom, go away. Instead, he used scripture. Satan said, turn these stones into bread. And he said, no, for it is written, man will not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. He used scripture, the same thing that we do. It was with his words. Words are so incredibly, incredibly powerful. Oh, this just happens this time of year. Oh, I'm just sick. I'm... I was with a group of people a couple of months ago. I was, in, I was in jury duty, and you spend a lot of time just sitting around. So we're sitting around waiting for, I don't know, something to happen. So we're just talking with the, what was it, the six of us total? Or eight of us? The seven other people in the room. And so we're talking, and one of the guys that I got to know, he was talking about his dad. He said something really interesting. Um, he's like, you know, my dad's dead. And we're like, oh, well, we didn't know, but oh, oh okay. He said, yeah, um, he died. He always said he would die when he was 45. And I said, when did he die? And he goes, when he was 45. And I said, why? And he's like, God, they weren't really sure. It was just some weird, just not healthy, bad things. like, uh. And me, that just, that just, just red lights went off all over the place. And I'm like, so what do you mean he always said he was going to die at 45? I'm like, was this like a family thing that, the, that like people on your side of the family? He goes, oh, no, no, no. Oh, no, no, my grandpa, he lived a long time. Grandpa was still alive. I'm like, you're kidding me. He's like, no, no, no. I'm like, so any of your brothers? He's like, no, they're all doing fine too. I'm like, what about your dad? Did he have any brothers and things? He goes, no, 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 it was just him. I said, why did he say that? He goes, I have no idea. I have no idea, but he always, always said it. And it really jumped out at me because my dad's dad said the same thing. Not at 45, but he picked an age. He picked an age and said, I won't live past. I won't live past. I won't live past. I won't live past. And he didn't live past. But when we say things, like that, we concede in that area. We say, devil, you can have it. You can absolutely have that area. In fact, it says this in James 4, 7. It says, submit, your God, uh, submit yourself to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee. See, we submit ourselves to God. We resist the devil, and he'll flee. We don't even want to give the devil a foothold. We don't give him anything in our lives because our words have so much power. And not just over us. If we look at the example that Jesus gave us in the Bible and the things that he spoke to. In Mark chapter 11, we read that he says, speak to the mountain. And I think that's figurative of the mountains that we face in our lives. I do. I believe that it is. But I also believe that it's literal that he was speaking of, and that is what I wasn't there at the time. But as I look at commentaries and what other philosophers look and see, they say, no, it was a physical, a figurative mountain that he was showing. But I believe it's not just the, that, but it's the mountains in our lives. And then we look at Matthew chapter 21, and Jesus is walking along the road, sees a fig tree, goes up to it because he wants fruit. It's not even season for fruit. And there's seasons. Like we get this massive cherry tree in the back of our house. It's awesome. 
huge cherry tree. And the cherries, I, I love cherries. Becca, she's a fruit Nazi, loves the things, just always about fruit. I'm like, I need to get another job to pay for all the fruit. She just she loves fruit. So I'm like, we got this great cherry tree. This is going to be awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. But guess what? I go out there and I check the cherries. And about four weeks ago, I went out there and checked it. I took one, I ate it, and I'm like, that's not very good. And about three weeks ago, I'm driving, and I'm mowing the lawn underneath it. And so I reach up, and I grab one. I'm like, I wonder if they're good yet. I try it, and I'm like, mm, not really. And about two weeks ago, I drive underneath there, and I try it. I'm like, oh, they are almost, these are getting good. These are getting good. So like, a couple days go by, and the kids and I go out there, and we get a ladder, and we climb up in the tree, and I'm throwing kids up in the air, and they're trying to catch them and grab them, and, and, and they're good. They're really, really good. And so the kids come inside, and they're just covered cherries all over their face and hands, and it's all over their feet. They got some mulberry bushes around, too. And so they just got cherry food, blood. It looks like blood. And Jono, he does it all. He takes them, and he squeezes them. He's like, Dad, look, I'm bleeding. I'm like, no, you're not. He's like, I am. And he wipes cherry all over his shirt. I'm like, please don't do that. And then I mowed the lawn yesterday, no, Friday, excuse me, Friday, and I drove underneath that cherry tree, and I reached up, and I'm like, well, that one's all withered and nasty, <laughs> so I grab another one, and then I grab another one, season's over, <laughs> they are up there, and they are withering away on the tree, there's just, just this little season, and Jesus approaches this tree, and it is not even season, he knows it's no good, but he approaches that tree, and he says this, he said to it, Matthew 21, 19, may you never bear fruit again. Jesus spoke to trees. He spoke to mountains. He spoke to trees. In Mark 4, verse 39, he got up. He and his disciples are in the boat. There's a big old storm. The disciples think that it's all over. The storm's going to overtake the boat. They're going to sink. Jesus gets up, rebukes the wind and the waves. He spoke to the weather. He spoke to the weather. You ever say anything? To an inanimate object before? Probably wasn't nice, was it? We, really, we don't speak to things unless we're mad at them, right? Stupid computer. What is wrong with it? I wish I could just throw it out the window. Piece of junk. Anybody say stuff like that? You're never like, oh, it's so good to see you, computer. Nobody ever says that. You never say nice things to stuff, do you? No. Maybe you talk to yourself. I talk to myself. Becca, I'll just be like doing nothing, and then all of a sudden she's laughing. I'm like, what are you laughing at? Because I feel like I'm missing out on something. I'm like, did you see something on, on Facebook or Insta Twitter or something? I'm like, what do you, what do you got? Like, what do you, what do you, what do you, what do you got that, that I'm missing? I want to I know what's up. And she's like, do you realize what you just said? And I'm like, I didn't say anything. She's like, you're talking to yourself again. And guess what you just, like I talk to myself. But I don't talk to stuff unless I'm not happy with stuff. But Jesus, he talked to stuff. And it obeyed. The tree withered. The weather, the wind, and the waves, the Bible says it just died down. Our words have incredible, incredible power. I'm always amazed. I'm amazed at the power that our words have. And we were talking about this, Becca and I, and she mentioned a study that she came across. And the study 
this guy said, okay, this is what we're going to do. They took two plants, same plants, but they planted some seeds. And the guy said, this is all we're going to do. We're going we're gonna to treat these plants the exact same. He says, I'm going to water them the same. The same soil, so the same soil source was split up. It was mixed up, split up. The seeds were planted. And the plants began to grow. And once the plants began to grow, then they introduced something a little bit different. He said, this is what they did different. To the one plants, they said nice things. To the other plants... They said only negative, ugly things. The plants that they said nice things to grew and grew normally and grew well and were healthy. They did the same thing to both plants. Same water, same dirt, same amount of water, same amount of food. To the other plants that they spoke negatively to and said nothing but junk to, he said, they were not as large as they should be. They were, they were withered. They didn't grow properly. And he said, wow. And the study was just about the power of negativity. It wasn't the power of words. The study itself was the power of negativity that these guys were talking about. But it illustrates perfectly the power of our words. Our words are what carry that negativity. It is not a matter of the aura in the words. We know what it is. The Bible says the power of life and death is in the tongue. Our words are something that we need, that a normal in our lives needs to be, that we realize that they are powerful and that we're going to be careful it says this in James 3, 1, if anyone can control his tongue, it proves that he's perfect control over himself in every way. It's like this is, if you can do this, you got it under control because how quickly, have you ever said something and the minute you say it, you're like, I want it back. Anybody ever say that? Yes. I had one of those moments. I was leaving a voicemail for somebody, an old friend. I hadn't talked to him in a while. And I'm like, hey, look forward to getting to know you. It's going to be great getting to catch up with you again. Give me a call. Hey, heard you got a girlfriend. Can't wait to. And I look over and I'm in the car and Beck goes, no, no, no. And I'm like, and I'll talk to you soon. And all of a sudden, it was one of those answer machines where they interrupt you. And they're like, if you're satisfied with your message, press 1. If you'd like to delete and re-record, press 3. I'm like, 3, 3, 3, 3, 3. So I press 3. And Beck's like, don't. It just went really bad, the whole girlfriend thing. Do not mention it. And I got a complete redo on my message. And I'm like, yes. <laughs> Never does that happen. But I, we don't get to do that very often. Most of the time, it's face-to-face. -face. We're talking with people. And there's a reason that the Bible says, be slow to speak and quick to listen. Be slow to speak and quick to listen. Because sometimes we shoot off our mouth. And I, I use that word shoot off very specifically because I want you to imagine more like a, a gun. The recklessness of shooting off our words. And the power that they have. He says this in verse 3. He says, we can make a large horse turn and go anywhere 
we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. And a tiny rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot wants it to go, even though the winds are strong. So also the tongue is a small thing, <coughs> but what enormous damage it can do. A great forest can be set of fire by a small spark, and the tongue is a flame of fire. It's full of wickedness poison, poisonous, and poisons every part of the body. And the tongue is set on fire by hell itself. And it can turn our whole lives into a blazing flame of destruction and disaster. Talking about what we say. Because when we say things, the Bible says resist the devil and we will flee. We resist him with our words. So when we accept things with our words, we're conceding that area of our life. And I'm saying this over and over again because I want you to get it. We concede that area of our life and we say, devil, it's yours. I won't fight you. You can have it. You can have it. And what we give him, he takes. He takes. Now, my kids, they love to wrestle. And I do too. It's fun. It's fun. But there's this problem. This problem is anytime I ever lay down, they think it's wrestle time. Like anytime. Anytime. And they're starting to get a little bit bigger where I kind of have to watch what they're doing and like tell them you can't kick people in the face. Like, don't kick me when I'm laying down. Like, don't kick my head, please. <laughs> don't do that. Don't jump off the furniture onto me, please. Don't, don't do it. Because they do. Jono and Hunter are still doing it. Molly, she's, she's eight. She's kind of stopped. Avery's done with this. But they have this thing, little kids, where they like to jump knee first. If you have little kids, you know this. So I'll lay down on the ground, and suddenly it's little knees. Ah! And you're like, oh, my back or my head or my shoulder or my something else. And you're like, what are you doing? But here's what I've learned. Jono, he's my, he's, he's my youngest wrestler. He's four. But if I don't know he's coming, he can do some serious damage with those little knees of his. He really, really can. And if I was to let him, he would destroy me. Even though he's four, I am fully convinced he could just kill me with those little knees of his. That, I don't know what we watched, but he and Hunter, they do this elbow thing <laughs> where you're just letting there, and they don't punch. They go, mm, mm, mm. so Jono will get on top and just go, Aah! and you're like, what are you doing to my face? If I was to let them, they'd destroy me. And the devil's the same way. When we let him, he can destroy us. Yeah. And it doesn't matter how big our God is or how quickly he will turn and run if we will just simply declare God's victory in that area in our life and rebuke him in Jesus' name and our ability to stop him. If we don't stop him, he's like Jono, little knees. And he just attacks here and there. And you're like, again? But we can stand up and stop, but we have to. And we have to change the normal of, of the things that we say about our cars. And then we wonder why they're breaking down all the time. I had a GM go 237,000 miles. Yeah, what's up with that? No new tranny in that puppy. Why? I pray every day for that vehicle. Part of my daily prayer is for mechanic angels that work on my cars. Yes, it is. Every day. I need it. I needed it. Like crazy van, crazy. It's gone. I can tell you it was a piece of junk. It's not mine anymore. It was a piece. It really was. 
But what are we speaking over our family? What are we speaking over our job? What are you speaking over your car? What are you speaking over your future family and spouse? What are we speaking over our marriage? What are we speaking over our health? Are we conceding areas of our lives without even a fight to the devil? Or are we saying, no, I know what the word of God says about this, so I'm going to stand on this. Hosea 4, 6 says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. When we know what the word of God says, we stand on it. We say, no, by his stripes I was healed. That's what, the, that's, that's what God said. So I'm, I stand, I'm going to, it's happening. It is happening. Plain and simple. No, your word says with long life you will satisfy me. My current state is not a satisfying life. So God, I thank you that you are going to and that you will perform your word in this. I thank you for it. I think you say that I am blessed going in and blessed going out and I can be a blessing to those around me so I'm going to be that at work. That they will see what is happening. That my home will be a home of peace. That he who finds a wife finds a good thing. A good thing, not a, ah, what am I doing thing? But it is going to be a great thing. And we begin to speak life over the situations in our lives. And I'm not saying that we ignore facts in any way, shape, or form. But that we instead realize that our God is greater than fact. And he's a fact-changing God. Plain and simple. Gravity, we already talked about it. So it's holding us here right now. And it's in effect all the way. Yes. That's gravity. But planes can fly. Not because gravity doesn't affect them. But because the law of lift is greater than the law of gravity. And God's word is greater than fact. We can look at fact and we say, God, I realize that you are greater than this fact in my life. I don't have to pretend that it's not here, but instead I look to you and realize you can change it and that you will. And this is what the word of God says. In Romans, it talks about Abraham and he had some facts in his life that did not line up with the promise that God had made him. See, God had promised him that he'd be the father of nations, but he didn't have any kids. He didn't have any kids and his wife, she was beyond age. He's like, it's, 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 it's not happening anymore. This, this isn't going to work. But God said, no, you will. And this is what it says about the way that Abraham believed. Against all hope, <laughs> like it ain't working, it ain't happening. Against all hope, Abraham, in hope, believed and so became the father of many nations. Just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Romans 4, verse 19, he says, without weakening his face, his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead. So it's not just she's too old. His body's as good as dead either. I think you know what that means. Since he was about a hundred years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead, yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the, the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised. It wasn't denying the faith. It wasn't walking around saying, this isn't really happening. This isn't really happening. It was, God, I see exactly the circumstances that are around me. I see what's leaning up against me. I see the mountain that's in front of me that you said you'd take me to the other side of. I see all of it. But I believe, God, that you're bigger than every one of them. 
And so I'm going to stand on that instead, and I know that this is going to move. I know that we're going to get through this. I know that healing is going to come. I know that restoration is coming back. I know that because your word says we stand on God's promises. Revelation 12, 11 says that we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. Our words are so powerful. Hebrews 3, verse 1 says, Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest, this is, this is Jesus, talking about Jesus, that he is the high priest of our confession. He's the high priest of our confession. Talking about, again, what it is, the things that we are saying. What are the things that we are saying? What are the things that we're not saying? I asked a, prayer, I asked a neighbor one time. I said, can I pray for you? He said, no. His knee had been bothering him. I said, can I pray for you? And he goes, no. I'm like, which is, which is odd because I, I, I was in Home Depot and the cashier's hand was bothering her. I'm like, is your hand bothering you? Yeah. I'm like, well, can I pray for you? And she says, yes. There's people in line. And, and very rarely do people tell me no. And I ask to pray for people on a regular basis. If I see something, I'm like, I know God can heal that. Let's take care of this. And if he doesn't, it's on him. He looks dumb, not me. I'm just the guy but my no, whatever. So I ask my neighbor, and he's like, no. He goes, God can't do that. And I'm like, I tell you what, I'm not going to waste my time or yours praying. He says, no, God can't do that. And I'm like, are you sure? I said, I'd love to pray for you and prove you wrong because God can. He's like, no. And I'm like, man, Jesus is the high priest of our confession. Oh, how we limit, how we limit God by some of the things that we say. But our words are so incredibly, incredibly powerful. They're so important that it says this in Matthew 12, verse 36. But I tell you that men will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every careless word spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted and by your words you will be condemned. I think that, that verse makes sense when I realize how powerful my words are. If it didn't really matter, that verse wouldn't make any sense. But think about it. How do we come to Christ? The Bible says, confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. It's by our words. The Bible says that we were made in God's image. How was the world created? The Bible said that God spoke the world into being. Our words are so much more powerful than I think we, on a regular basis, remember, or that we realize, or that we were even aware. So much so, they're so powerful, God says every single word. Just like we would hold somebody accountable for every careless bullet that they just shot up in the air, we'd say, where did it land? You better know exactly where that muzzle is pointed because where is that bullet going to land? And you're responsible because you shot that thing off and because you did this. And we'd look and we'd say, absolutely, absolutely, whoever fired that gun needs to be held responsible for where that bullet landed because they're the ones that fired it. God looks and he says, our word says, every careless word. 
because they are so powerful. We're made in his image. The world was brought out by words. And yet the Bible says that if you can do this, you can, you're in complete control of your body because this is one of those things. This is one of those places in the Bible where God sets something up and, you, and I, look at, uh, I look at it and I say, how can I do that? Every careless word. I've said things that I wish I could take back. I know. I've said things in anger. I've spoken too quickly. But yet there's two things about God that I have so many. There's two things that in this area I'm so grateful for. One is the Bible says, if we ask for forgiveness, he's faithful and just to forgive us. And two, he says I can do, that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. That we don't have to do this on our own. That this isn't something that we do on our own. Or that we're expected to do all on our own. But that God, through his spirit, empowers us to live beyond how we could on our own. He sets a standard and we look and we say, I could never do that. He says, yeah, I know, I gave you the Holy Spirit. He'll help you. He'll help you. So here's what I would challenge you tonight. Remember, our words are incredibly powerful. I challenge you to look at the way that you speak, to change your normal when it comes to what you're saying. To be slow to speak and quick to listen. To think, don't be brash and quickly just throw it out there and begin to change. Normal can change. To look at what you say. Don't grow over familiar with your words. Don't go and say, oh, it's just, it's just this thing. No. The Bible says every word. Let's look at, let's rethink the way that we're doing. Let's change our normal. Let's begin to speak life and speak the word of God into our life and into the situations and into the people and into the jobs and the relationships and into our families and watch the difference that it makes in our lives. That, that forgiveness thing, it's not just. It's not just something that we say, you know, I, I messed up in this area. It's something that when, when we come to God, he, he throws it away. When we come to God, we say, God, I've fallen short. We don't have to go through, we don't have to list everything that we've ever done wrong because he knows it. The Bible says he knows the number. He has the hairs on your head numbered. He knows. He knows what you've done wrong. Every, every bad thought you've ever had or hadn't had or come close to having. Or the, all, he, he knows all of it. But he still loved you so much that he sent his son to die so that you could be free. He did it for us. And then he sent his son and now empowered us by his spirit to live the life that we couldn't live on our own so that we could live victorious. He said, I came to give you life and life to the fullest. That's what it is. It's an understanding of the tools that we've been equipped with so that we can live the life that he's called us to. So if you're here tonight, maybe you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life. Or maybe you're here and you say, you know, there was a time that I was living for God, but I've turned my back on him. But today I want to come back. I want to come back. Then we do this. This is what we do is we use our words. And we say, God, forgive me. And he will. We say, make me new. And he will. And we can leave here knowing that a shadow of a doubt when we stand with God.
So if you bow your heads and close your eyes real quick. If you're here tonight, you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, or you say, tonight I want to come back to him. I want to leave here knowing beyond a shadow of a doubt where I stand with him. If you're either of those, I'd love to pray with you. If you're either of those, then at the count of three, this is what I want you to do. I want you to be super bold. I want you to shoot your hand up high, and we're going to pray together, and you can know exactly where you stand with God when you walk out of these doors tonight. You ready? One, two, three. Shoot it up. Say, that's me. I want to know exactly where I stand with God. I'm forgiven, set free, and I'm on my way to heaven. All right. Well, God, we lift you up tonight. And we want our normal to glorify you. God, if there's an area in our life that does not honor you, and we want to change it. We submit that area to you. And God, in the area of our words, we want our words to honor you, to be life-giving. God, we see the power that they have and how they can change our worlds. God, help us to do this thing. Help us to keep our tongues under control. Help us to be slow to speak and quick to listen, to honor you, in all that we do. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West is to see you equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church.